Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. UConn's coming off an 81-53 win over Marquette. And uh, I have one of my favorite guests that I have had on in the past year back on the podcast. You guys know Kyle Boone from from CBS. Uh, He was one of my favorites heading into the weekend. But then I I listened to the Eye on, on College Basketball podcast on Friday not only did he look over Dan Hurley for coach of the year, but but he took Marquette when it came to the uh, to the picks there. So I wanted to give him an opportunity, come on the podcast, clear some things up and uh, see if he, he wants to atone for some of these words. So, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Um, I am so sorry to UConn fans everywhere. I'm sorry to Dan Hurley. I'm sorry to Dan Hurley's family. I'm sorry to all of the hairs that are still hanging around on Dan Hurley's head. I, I am just, just sorry to Huskies faithful everywhere because I messed up. I was wrong. Uh, you don't fade the Yukon Huskies against Marquette at home in the Excel center. You don't fade the Yukon Huskies period. Apparently I'm just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, I tried to go full heel and yeah, I lasted about, you know, like 12 hours. Um, it didn't feel good. I, I think I'm back on the Yukon bandwagon. There we go. I mean, you were the guy leading the charge for, for our guy, Andre Jackson, last year. You were you were on the caravan, caravan fully. So we're, we're glad to have you back. And uh, let's talk about what you saw on Saturday a little bit. I mean, going into this game, I mean, you did have some valid points. Marquette had been playing really well. Tyler Kolick looking back like the player we saw earlier in the year and what we saw last year. What do you think UConn did that gave this Marquette team so much trouble? Well, I, I think it was centered primarily around how they handled Kolek. I mean, they took the ball out of his hands. They they forced him into into passing to to teammates and to making mistakes. And he hasn't done that very much over the last month, at least coming into Saturday. Um, you look at some of the metrics and some of the production stats. You know, basically coming into Saturday, I think there was a fairly strong case to be made that Tyler Kolick was not just like the best player in the big East, but like the best player in college basketball for the last month. And the numbers, you could kind of look at it and, and make a case for that. And Marquette was playing, you know, like a top five team during that stretch as well. So, um, so it's really impressive what UConn was able to do. I mean, they, they took the ball out of Kolick's hands he really struggled um, making decisions with the ball in his hands. He really struggled shooting the ball when he did get the ball off. Uh, Donovan Klingon is just such a force defensively on the interior for UConn that um, when he's on the floor and able to stay out of foul trouble, as we saw on Saturday, I mean, this team just goes to new heights. And um, it's it's not just that UConn's offense is fantastic. Um, I think that's something we've come to expect uh, under Dan Hurley, but I mean, the, the defense has been not just, um, like a above average, like it's been elite, um, you know, for, for the majority of the last month. And, uh, when you have, a, a, an elite offense that you can marry with an elite defense, the way UConn is playing, um, on both ends right now, I mean, it's just like, who who's beating this team in the NCAA tournament? Like maybe it happens. It's just like, it's really hard to see. When you when you talk about these different matchups and, and what UConn did so well in terms of shutting Tyler Kolek down, I, I think heading into this game, 
There's a lot of eyes uh, on that matchup between Tyler Kolick and Tristan Newton. You know, mm-hmm. the two point guards, uh, both guys in discussion for Big East Player of the Year. I mean, Tristan ends up with 15 points, eight boards, eight assists. Um, what impressed you about what he was able to do out there uh, on, on the game on Saturday? Yeah, him, him, and, um, him and Stephon Castle both. I mean, I know Castle statistically didn't have a good game, but the way they play, I think, is really impressive. And it kind of embodies the way that Dan Hurley goes about his business, which is like he never feels rushed. He never feels like um, he's trying to, to force the action. He lets the, the game come to him. Um, and he, he likes to take it to whoever he is defending. And Newton does a great job of, of – being kind of a persistent pain in the rear on defense at the point of attack. Um, he's, he's really good about kind of forcing his, whoever he is defending um, to, to pass off or, or to make silly decisions. And we saw that on Saturday um, time and time. And again, uh, Newton was like in the right place at, at, at the right time. And it wasn't just, Hey, I was in a fortuitous spot. I was fortunate to be here. It was, Hey, I'm making the play here. I'm, I'm going to decide the game type of stuff. And, that's what you expect from Tristan Newton, who, yeah, I think has a realistic case to win Big East Player of the Year. Um, so to me, like on Saturday, that that really stood out. Um, statistically, he was really good as well. Eight, eight assists, I thought, really stood out because, yeah, we, we know he can score. Um, we know he can play defense. But when he's getting his teammates involved um, and, and really kind of playing quarterback for this UConn team, it takes the pressure off Stefan Castle a little bit. I, I think it, it frees up kind of Newton to play his game that he's more natural and more confident playing, which is you know the facilitator who he can he can be a scorer when you need, uh, but he loves to get his teammates involved. And I think a lot of his teammates kind of feed off that energy. When you look at the rest of this roster, not only just looking at, at the game against Marquette, but from the season as a whole, who else impresses you on this roster? Oh, shoot. I mean, like this is uh, low hanging fruit, but the Stefan Castle is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, again, wasn't wasn't great production wise on, on Saturday. Ended up with three points, um, three assists, um, 0-5 shooting from from two point range. He just had one three pointer. But the way that Castle has blossomed, you know, over the last six weeks or so is, has been really impressive to me. And Again, he's he never feels like he's rushed. It, it almost feels like he's moving in slow motion. Uh, but just, I mean, if you're going to do like a first team all confidence team in college basketball, Stefan Castle like has to be the leading candidate to be placed on that list. And he always just feels like he exudes confidence. You know, he can get to his spots whenever he wants. He can get downhill whenever he wants. And you know, over the last month or so, he's taken over some games. And I think that's really what has impressed me most is you have Tristan Newton, who could be the Big East player of the year. You have Donovan Klingon, who I think is maybe the best defensive player in college basketball. And oh, by the way, Stefan Castle is also on this team, a former five-star recruit who's who, you know, could be a, a top five pick in the NBA draft um, and has really blossomed over the last month and really has shown an ability to take over games. Like, it's just kind of not fair, you know? And um, I, that's what makes this team so exciting. And um, you go back, you know, a few years ago, like when, you know, you, for example, Kentucky had kind of the platoon system. It's like, oh my gosh, they're bringing him McDonald's All-American off the bench. Like, how is this even fair? And like, Stephon Castle's not coming off the bench, but he's not necessarily relied on, you know, like yeah. in the same way that guys with his pedigree are typically relied on. And so uh, they can come at you in waves. And maybe UConn doesn't have the most impressive starts. And maybe that's why I picked Marquette over UConn, which 
hand up. That was stupid. But uh, they come at you in waves and they come at you, you know, on defense with intensity. They can come at you with with depth. And so many different guys can beat you. And throughout the game, as games wear on, UConn tends to to get better and better. And we've seen that throughout the year. Um, the scoring margin, all the statistical uh, stuff for UConn just just pops because uh, they they wear teams down and they can just they can just beat teams down uh, the way that they beat a top five team uh, in Marquette um, this weekend. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, those guys. I mean, we didn't even we haven't even talked to Alex Caravan, Cam Spencer, uh, Samson Johnson. I mean, the the list goes yeah. on. I think that goes to show the depth that this UConn team has, um, which I think is a big strength of this team. If we look on the flip side, as you're looking at this UConn team and you're trying to maybe you know help game plan against this UConn team, what what's the weakness that you see as you're looking at them? Oh, it's tough. I mean, that, shoot, there's a reason that you know they have two losses on the season. I mean, good luck. Um, I mean, if you're going to try and beat UConn, I think you have to try and get Donovan Klingon in foul trouble. That's like first and foremost on on I think the priority list. When Klingon is on the bench and when he's in foul trouble and when he sits for extended periods, um, UConn feels a little bit mortal. Um, when he's on the floor and he's doing his thing defensively, roaming and protecting the rim, uh, finishing lobs and doing Donovan Klingon things just generally, um, UConn is a force. He's he's not a guy who's putting up twenty points, ten rebounds every single night, but the impact that he makes defensively um, look at, you know, Evan Maya stats and the on off splits mm-hmm. with him on the floor is insane. Like he is, I think you could actually make a case for him being like the national player of the year. Um, so that, that would be like the one thing is like, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe if they don't have the size down low, um, if Sam Samson Johnson is in there instead of Donovan Klingon, maybe they don't have the the horses to go the distance, but I mean, that's kind of the case with every team, right? Like if Purdue doesn't have Zach Eady, uh for extended periods, Purdue definitely looks vulnerable. Um, you know, same with some of the other top teams in, in college basketball. I look at Kansas. Uh, if Hunter Dickinson's on the bench and in foul trouble, uh, you you have a good chance to to beat to beat that Kansas team. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like my answer is a roundabout way. Like I don't really have an answer, and I don't think many other teams have an answer either. Um, I'm all in on on UConn. I'm a Huskies hype boy for life, and uh, I will never uh, I will never turn heel again. There you go. I think that's going to be music too. Uh, a lot of people's ears. Uh, I was going to get on you to get Gary Parrish to update his top twenty five and one, but he already did that, so I don't have to uh, get on <laughs> him anymore. Um, as you look, and I, I love the report card uh, columns you put out uh, on Sundays. As you've been looking at this national picture of the teams out there. Who who out there do you see competing with this UConn team? As you're looking towards March, you see the bracket come out. Who's a team or two that if you're UConn, maybe gives you a, a little bit of pause or some hesitation? Yeah, there's a few teams. And obviously, I think these matchups, you know, assuming um, that things go kind of as expected, they would be, you know, in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the National Championship. Um, because I think the only teams really equipped to give UConn a run, now maybe they lose in the first round or second round. and and you know, it's moot, but I can't see that happening. The teams that I think could give them a real run are, are the teams that are at the top of the sport right now. Uh, Houston has been really impressive all season. Um, statistical metrics, uh, Ken Palm actually has them at number one right now, yeah. number one defense and adjusted efficiency. 
They're elite at getting offensive rebounds. They're very physical. Um, they're dominating in the Big 12, which, you know, I think you could make a case that's the best conference in in college basketball this season. Um, they have uh, guys who play kind of above their size. I think they could give Donovan Klingon um, a uh, some real fits down low. Um, and, and I think they would at least be able to neutralize him to some extent. Um, they have experience with their guards. I also think that would potentially match up well against UConn um, with Newton and, and Castle. So Houston, I think to me, stands out as like a, a team that, you know, if, if they meet up in the NCAA tournament, that would be a, a very close matchup. I would say Houston would be an underdog by like, you know, four points, something like that. It would, it would probably be pretty close, maybe even smaller than that. Um, Purdue would be an interesting one just because Zach Eady versus Donovan Klingon. I mean, I have no idea how that would go. I'm pretty sure UConn would, uh, I'm pretty sure UConn would win and actually fairly certain it wouldn't be that close. But I mean, if, uh, if Purdue gets into a game where uh, Fletcher lawyers hitting shots and Lance Ware's making shots or Lance Jones is making shots and, uh, Braden Smith is is doing his thing and, and being able to facilitate when this Purdue team is really rolling. Um, they're they're pretty dangerous. It just doesn't feel like um, the the backcourt depth would match up really well. And it feels like UConn's kind of physicality would be a real problem for for Purdue. Um, man, going across. Those are the only two teams that like I actually think would be a pretty close game. I would say. UConn probably wins over Houston, you know, 76-70. UConn beats Purdue 73-67, something like that. Um, so I, I think they would probably end up being like the closest matchups. Tennessee could be interesting just because they have a great defense and Don, uh, Dalton Connect has been really good. Uh, but beyond that, like, it's just really hard to see uh, any team – giving UConn a real fit at the top of the sport. I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's Meats. This fourth generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosol's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. For more information, visit martinrosalsinc.com and go support a UConn fan-owned business. And now, back to the interview. UConn goes from this game that they, they just played against Marquette to another, probably one of the tougher games on the Big East schedule, going to Creighton. And I, I know heading into this season, um, you know, UConn, Creighton, Marquette, those were the teams you were looking at at the top of this uh, of this conference here. Just give me a thought or two uh, on this matchup between UConn and Creighton heading to the game Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I really like this Creighton team, and I've really liked them for the last two seasons. And maybe this is um, this is me just kind of like trying to confirm my confirmation bias of my take that I thought Creighton would be the best team in the Big East last season. Which again, hand up, incredibly stupid. Um, but you know, Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman, they have some guards who who I think match up. Uh, size-wise pretty well against UConn and they're obviously very well experienced could be you know potential NBA players um, the size down low I think could be an interesting matchup as well UConn uh, obviously with Klingon and and Creighton uh, with Kalkbrenner um, 
And so we'll see. I mean, this this first game between the two wasn't particularly close. That was in in Gamble. Yeah. Uh, and so, and and UConn played really well in that game. Didn't even shoot it that great. But I mean, it's just like that was. I think looking back was maybe one of their best defensive performances. And it's and maybe that was kind of the start of like when their defense really started to ramp up. Um, and maybe that's just a little bit of an anecdotal storytelling for me, but. Um, you know, basically since the Creighton game, it feels like they've really turned up their defense to a new level. Um, and so we'll see. I, I, I think Greg McDermott is a good coach. He runs some good stuff. Um, I think they'll have some curveballs to try and throw UConn's way on offense. It'll be a shootout. Um, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I don't know exactly what my prediction will be, but I do think Creighton will give UConn a run for its money. Um, just because they have the experience, they have the size at at both the guards and in the in the big man spot. I think to at least match up well um, on paper against this UConn team. Yeah, heading on the road to a team like this, uh, always a tough uh, tough matchup. I, I know when we spoke last year for the podcast, it was coming off the title. We were talking some NBA draft mm. statuses. As you look at the guys on this UConn roster, who impresses you maybe the most, or a couple guys, you know, as you look towards future NBA draft stock. Yeah, I mean, Castle is the most impressive just because um, a guy coming into the season that actually had maybe higher than most. Uh, I had him number five on my on my mock draft coming into the year just because I thought six foot six, um, you know, a really competent playmaker, smooth athleticism, um, can be an OK shooter. Um, and he's kind of performed as as we've expected this year. Um, his assist rates, you know, around 21 percent is pretty good for a guy who you know, isn't necessarily always playing and dominating as, as the playmaker. Um, he, he's a pretty good offensive rebounder. I like some of his uh, predictive metrics and kind of how he, he, how he projects to the NBA level. Castle's like the easy one though. Yeah. Um, I'm still a big fan of Alex Garaban. There we go. Um, yeah. Like he's, you know, he's six foot eight. He's, he's got great positional size. I, I feel every time he gets the ball and he's shooting it, it's going in. And I swear I've never seen him miss a three pointer. Like, show me a show me a missed three pointer from Alex Garban. Like it it's doctored footage. There's no way it's real. Uh, he just doesn't miss three pointers. And I would trust him with my life if he's shooting a three pointer. So um, there is some value to to having that skill set in the NBA. A guy who can be an elite catch and shoot spot up weapon. Um, I think there's a, a role for him in the NBA as well. And then Do- Donovan Klingon, obviously. Um, probably the guy who I think people are most excited about as an NBA prospect from this UConn team. Maybe it's Castle. I think it's Castle for me personally, but yeah. I know people are really high on on Donovan Klingon. Um, he's he's just a dominant interior defender, and there is, um, I mean, his his block rate this season, top ten in college basketball. Offensive rebounding rate, top ten in college basketball. Um, you know, he's. I feel like he's added to his game on offense. Um, and just on the interior um, for for a really good defense, he has been pretty consistently the best defensive playmaker on this team. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the sky's the limit for him. I, th- I think he'll end up being like a, a lottery pick, maybe top 10. And uh, yeah, like that's a lot of that's yeah. a lot of NBA talent on one roster. And I think you could you could make a case there's several other players who will play in the NBA in the future that are still on this team as well. I, I was just going to say any love for like the older guys, like a, like a Tristan Newton or a, a Cam Spencer. Yeah. I was going to mention Cam Spencer. Um, it, 
Yeah, I, I think prob- people people maybe put him in you know like a bucket of like, okay, well he's he's um, he's an older guy. He's maybe a late developer, late bloomer. He's he's always been a really good producer, but um, in his role at UConn, like how do you how do you not be productive? And he has been productive. So um, so I don't know. Like I I actually think he could be a guy who ends up making a sneaky impact in the NBA. He's six foot four, which is pretty good frame for a, a guy who I think is going to be kind of a combo guard in the NBA. Um, he's, he's a dead eye shooter. Um, he's someone who can create his own offense. He plays again, going back to the Stefan castle comment earlier about first team, all irrational confidence. Like he's the MVP <laughs> of that team. Clearly like he is, he actually may be the most fun player to watch in college basketball this season. And, um, God, I hope we get an NCAA tournament run from from this UConn team and Camp Spencer is healthy the entire time because, holy Lord, the the memes and the viral videos from Camp Spencer alone, um, just trolling people is is going to be tremendous content, and I'm here for it. Like it's it it's got to take some guts from a guy of, of his size and stature to be trash talking Armando Baycott at the Garden, right? Like that that doesn't just come to anyone no it's incredible it's incredible and oh my gosh i swear if if marquette and and uh and yukon end up playing again like i don't even know if they would be able to match up in the NCAA tournament but they play again in in the big east tournament like oh that's gonna be that's gonna be must watch tv um it's just like he can he can find someone to troll um in any given matchup if you if you have the confidence to uh to taunt Armando Baycott and then also taunt Tyler Kolek like um yeah you you've got some stones shout out to Cam Spencer he's fantastic we we get we got to add that to the NBA draft uh, report Absolutely. there like that that's a, a very underrated factor you need a guy like that on the team yeah. um, Kyle I'll wrap with this one uh and it kind of goes back to what we started at the beginning uh Dan Hurley coach of the year oh oh <laughs> I think I think uh, I think I'll bend the knee. I think uh-huh. I'll bend the knee. I think you have to go, Dan Hurley, as coach of the year right now. Um, we're coming off a Sunday in which Purdue lost on the road at Ohio State. Ohio State's been not very good this season. They just fired their coach. Um, weird circumstances surrounding this game. Obviously, um, they have an interim coach uh, take over. And, you know, maybe Ohio State's motivated to to win one for Holtman, or maybe they're motivated to win one for the new head head coach, at least in the interim. Yeah. Um, they're playing in Columbus. So a lot of factors going into this one, why Purdue may have lost. But, you know, I think look at kind of the comparison between Purdue and UConn. It's razor thin. It's razor thin. They're both really good teams. I think clearly the two top teams in college basketball uh, I thought Matt Painter deserved coach of the year. Um, if we were voting earlier this week, coming into this weekend, I think it's probably Hurley right now. Um, UConn is now probably at least I talked to Palm earlier this earlier today, Jerry Palm has UConn as the projected number one overall seed in his bracket, um, which is probably coming as an update on Monday. Um, Purdue is moving down to the number one, number two overall team, still a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, UConn is going to be the number one team in college basketball in the AP rankings update again on Monday. That has been the case for several weeks now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could make a case for Dan, for, for Matt Painter, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll capitulate here. I think you got to go Dan Hurley coach of the year and I'd be uh, 
it, there's going to take probably a lot of evidence for me to try and uh, to overturn that because I think what Dan Hurley has done this season for this UConn team, like no one is, uh, no one is quite in in the same level of uh, a level of special that he's done this season with UConn. Well, Kyle, you you have fully redeemed yourself to UConn fans. I I, I give you all uh all, all the all the props for coming on here, owning up to it. You've been a good sport about it, and uh, it, it made things whole here. So uh, thank that's you. on me. That's on me. You know, I you know you go heel, um, and you just sometimes you just know you have to come back home. And <laughs> I told you, I felt like um, people were starting to get on my scent a little bit. It's like. Okay, Kyle Boone's actually kind of a UConn homer. Like, so I needed to try and switch it up. I really thought Marquette could give UConn a run. That's on me. That was stupid. Uh, we're back. We're back to back in the UConn. Um, it's uh, it's full steam ahead here. Looking forward to uh, to how the rest of the season unfolds. There you go. Well, Kyle, I really appreciate you coming on, having some fun with this, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon as the uh, season goes along. So thanks so much. All right, man. Appreciate you having me on. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.